Today's daf is daf Ayin Ches. As Hashem we are beginning the eighth parak of Maseches Ksuvis. Just as a uh, introduction, let's refresh some of the information that we've learned in the last seven chapters of this Masechta. There is two types of property that a woman brings into a marriage. It's called either Nifsei Tzom Barzel or Nifsei Malug. Now, what's the difference between Nifsei Tzom Barzel and Nifsei Malug? Nifsei Tzom Barzel literally means ironclad. Ironclad means that the value of what these properties are worth at the time that she brings them into the marriage are assessed and actually written into the Ksuva. So why is it ironclad? means the husband has free range and free rights to do whatever he wants with these properties. But at the end of the day, if this marriage terminates, either through, through his death or divorce of her, though the, the value of whatever they were assessed for are returned to her, irrespective of what happens to the property. That's why they're called ironclad. Nechsem Malug actually is not recorded into the Ksuva, it's not part of the Ksuva. And what it is, is a jurisdictional right that the husband has, what's called a usufructory right. It's the right to use properties that she brings into the marriage without actually, he does not own the equity of these properties, he has the usufructory rights of the properties. Right, he might even if if if, if, they, if uh, he's able to get them to uh, uh, go up in value, he might have certain rights. But the actual essence of the value, the nix, the the, the kinyane haguf, the right, the ownership of the equity belong to her. Right, he just has what's considered nixim malug. Maliga means the plucking of the feathers. He can have the feathers. He doesn't own the chicken. Right, that's the nixim malug. This. Uh, Mishnah that we're about to do right now, the first part of this parak, is focusing specifically on those usufructory rights, on the nixe malug. So the type of the chasen we're dealing right now with are nixe malug, not the nixe tombazel. And what we're going to discuss is that what type of jurisdictional rights does the husband have on the nixe malug, right? Vis-a-vis, if she wants to sell them, is he able to limit her ability to sell something that he has the usufructory rights over? The next time I look at the end, it makes no difference what they are worth, because the bottom line is he's not allowed to devaluate them. He's not allowed to do anything to affect the, the uh, actual... Uh, property itself, he's just allowed to, like, if it's, if it's, a, it's, it's, if it's a house, he's allowed to have, get the rentals for it. If it's a, you know, if a tree, he's allowed to get the fruit but from it. It, it, it never, it, it never left her. It was and always. Also goes back to her. No, no, so nothing goes back to her other than the other assessed value, value of right. what the and item was. Earlier, right. Like so now we're focusing on the next Can Nixon Barzo and, uh, all, either one of them be land, or, or one always like carpet, and the other movable thing. And e- either one, the okay. either so one. Shoot the foot in right. Right. Zadei the Gemishna. Ha'isha shenaflu lo nechasim ad shelo itis So we're going to be dealing with different stages 
of the marriage. The first case we're dealing with is that she uh, uh, became the owner of these nechassim, of these assets, prior to the erusin. Now that could happen either it's ancestral ownership, somebody died and left it to her. could be she found it. It could be she bought it. But it means it was hers independently prior to the Aresin. Now there's no question is that anything she sells before the Aresin, the husband has no jurisdictional rights on whatsoever. That's not what we're discussing over here. What we're discussing is that at the time she acquired it, he was not in the picture, but now she wants to sell it after the Aresin, before the Nesuin, but after the Aresin. So therefore, and agree that in this particular situation, she can sell even lechatchilam. That mocheres is much, but she's allowed to sell it, and there is no ability to inhibit the sale, and that sale is a valid sale, and the husband can do nothing about it. Again, it's taking place. When is the sale taking place? After the Aresin, before Nasuin, after the Aresin, but it's properties that she acquired before the Aresin. Okay, that's case number one. Now, Mishinus Arsa, let's move. We're moving now into case number two. Case number two is that she acquired these assets again. In, uh, it, it could have fallen to her from uh, ancestral rights. Her the grandfather died, left it to her. However, she now she becomes ownership. But her ownership overtook only place after, after the Arisin. Here we have a machlokas beshamay beshil according to this version of the Mishnah. Beshamay omrim timkar beshamay say also. The fact is that lechora it's only erusin, and therefore she is allowed to sell these assets even lechatchila. Beisilal omrim, beisilal say, and we're going to see is that they hold that since she only acquired them after the erusin, then lo simkar. That's lechatchila. Lechatchila, the chachamim say, not a good idea. If you come to the rabbi and say, should I sell it? Don't should I not sell it? He is going to say, do not sell it. But but both Beisham and Beisil hold that post facto, if the sale actually did take place, that it is a valid sale. So the Machlok of Beisham Beisil is only whether or not she should sell it or she's able to sell it. But everyone agrees that the sale is a good sale. It's interesting. So there is a, it seems to be that the Beisil hold that there is a prohibition here. Don't do it. There is a Tazvah's Yontav over here that says that the prohibition goes on the buyer. What are you getting involved? This came to her while she, when she became here. You should not be offering the money to buy these. So the, the act of the prohibition is placed on the buyer, or not on her, because her jurisdictionally rights, she has a right to sell it. Just the buyer should not be getting involved. It like creates a shalom bias issue or something, whatever the issue is. Let's see. Now, now, I'm a Rabbi Yehuda. So Rabbi Yehuda is, uh, is, is testifying to a, uh, a Messorah that he has that when this Mishnah, as it was recorded, right, was brought down, Amru Gamliel, that the Chachamim, the sages, said to Rabbi Gamliel, he said like this, since, as in Arusa, she already becomes his wife, Right? She's an Aishas Ish. She's, she's his wife. So therefore, Lechorah, she has 
given over to him jurisdictional rights. So since she, uh, he has jurisdictional rights over her because she became his wife, so lo yiske benachosim, should that not also give him jurisdictional rights over her nechosim? Now, Lechora, the Gemara is going to clear what point is bothering him. Is it bothering, is it bothering the Chachamim on why Beishamai say that even Lechatchila she's able to sell? Or are they arguing even on the, on, on the point that Beishilo said? Beishilo said, no, it's only B'dieva. B'dieva, though, if it was done, we said everybody agrees that it's a good sale. Are they holding it should not be a good sale? So exactly what the thrust of their question was, but they're asking is that Lechora, the husband, should have jurisdictional rights on some level, okay, what that level is to impede or, uh, or, or, or limit her capacity to sell these nechosim and lechor so when these nechosim fell to her when she was an arusa. So Amar Lahem, so what was Rabbi Gamaliel's response? He said to them, Ala chadoshim anuboshim. On the new properties, the new properties we're going to see in the next halacha means with the, the, with the halacha is that when she becomes a nasua, after nasuans happen, and now properties fall to her, there the halacha is that if she tries to sell those properties, what's the halacha? The husband can take those properties away from the buyer. So that so basically, Rabbi Gamliel is saying is that. We are uncomfortable, we're embarrassed about that takana of the Chachamim, that when she became an Asua, you can take it away, right? You can take it away. I mean, you can limit completely once, if, if she got their positive soon. And you want to create a limitation on her ability to sell these properties as an Arusa? He says, we're uncomfortable, we're embarrassed, we don't, I, I, I can't give complete logical justification on taking away the woman's rights as an Asua, and you're trying to limit her rights as an Arusa. Okay? That's the response according to this version of the Mishnah. So therefore, it says like this. So therefore, let's read in Sats. So Gamil said, Ha'el, viz, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. So, uh, 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 so, Amar Lahem, Gamil responded to the Chachamim. Ala Chadoshim Anuboshim. We're embarrassed on the Chadoshim. What do I mean the Chadoshim? Right? She says, Shenafla Mishanitzis, on that which she received after Nesuin. That what's the halacha? That if she sells those, the husband takes away. You're trying to roll on us that there should be a limitation, even on the stuff that, that, that she got as an Arusa. Right? Alright, now, so we've gone through sta- uh, sta- uh, situation one, which was fell, for her, fell as an Arusa, and she fell before she was an Arusa, and she sold as an Arusa, which said no argument, she's allowed, she can do that without any imposition. We had situation number two, which we said was a machlokas beshamet beshilo, where that when it fell to as an arusa and she oh. sold it as an arusa. Now we're going to situation number three. Situation number three is the the most extreme. It fell to her after nesuin, and she tried to sell it after nesuin. 
So Navlulam Mishanis says, in this case, again, there is no machlok, because Eilud Eilam Odin, that both Beishama and Beisila will agree that what? That if it fell to her as an Asua, and she tried to sell it as an Asua, everyone agrees, that if she either sold it or gave it away, that what's the halacha? Sha'abal Motzmi Yadavikuchos, that the husband can take it away from the purchasers. There is not even a shayla. Now, case number four. Case number four is going to be the situation where it came to her before the Nesuin. Came to her before the Nesuin. Could either be came to her as an Arusa or even if it was something she had independently before she became an Arusa. But she tried to sell it as an Asua. What's the din over there? So therefore, Machrov and Asna, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Achalo uh, Niseis uh, that came to before the Niseis. So Rabbi Gamliel ruled, Oimer, Im Machrov and Asna Kaim. In such a case, now the Chorah, the version of we have in our Mishnah, Im Machrov, Im Machrov means if she did sell it, it's post facto. Means Machrov, she shouldn't sell it, but but yeah, but if she did sell it, what's the halacha? It's, uh, it, it, it's Kaim. Now, Amr Rabbi Chanina ben Akavya. Rabbi Chanina ben Akavya is going to now bring down his version of the dialogue between the sages and Rabbi Gamliel. In the first half of the Mishnah, we had Rabbi Yehuda's version of what the discussion was between Rabbi Chanina, between Rabbi Chachamim and Rabbi Gamliel. And that was, they asked the question is, that if she sold it as an Arusa, why doesn't he have the ability to impeach his, his wife Right? And, and the response from Gabriel gave is that I'm embarrassed of what happens when she sells as a, when, when she gets it in a sewer and sells it in a sewer, and you're trying to limit it as a rusa. In this version, the way of Hanina ben Gakabya, I learned from Gamliel, he's, the, the, the discussion was this fourth scenario. What was the fourth scenario? Gamliel said, if she had this property from before the Nasuan, and then the Nesuin happened, and she sold it. Rabbi, Rabbi Gamliel ruled that Bidi Ebed, what's the halacha? Bidi Ebed, the sale is a good sale. On that, Amru Lifnei Rabbi Gamliel, the Chachamim said to Gamliel, Hoyel Bezocha Beisha, here he Zocha her completely, she becomes his. Nesua. So if she's become his Nesua and the Chorah, he, he should have full jurisdictional rights. So therefore, what right does she have even the Yevad to do what? To sell the Nechazim that she got from before the Nesuin. So lo Yizkev and Nechazim, should he not have full jurisdictional rights over the Nechazim? And on that, Rabbi Yishur, Rabbi Gabriel gives the same answer he gave before. He says, I'm embarrassed about the Nechazim she gets after Nesuin. Because what do we say? Everybody agrees that the Nechazim she gets after Nesuin. If she sells, you can take it away. I'm embarrassed and how come she doesn't have a right to sell her properties that she gets after Nesuin? And you're trying... And, and how you're trying to limit her ability to sell the ones that she got before, even though she's selling them after the Nesuin. So therefore, We're embarrassed about the new properties that she gets after Nesuin. And you're trying to limit that she should not have the ability to sell those properties that she got as an Arusa, even though it's a Nesuin, or even got before Arusin, even though now it's already been Nesuin. So, right. So that is, we have four scenarios and we have two versions as to what the Chachamim asked Rabban Gamlil 
and what he responded. There's a Yehuda's version, and there's a Chananya ben Akavya. Now, the last dissenting opinion is over here, is Rav Shimon, and we'll deal with Rav Shimon at the end of today's daf. Rav Shimon, he says that this din of whether her sale is a good sale or not a good sale, really depends on the different types of Nechosim. We're going to clarify exactly what he means, but just let's read the words. Nechosim, are you doing Labal? Those assets that the husband was aware of, Lo simkor, that she should not sell. Vimach v'nasnov batal, and if she and she did try and sell them, then the sale is negated, and the husband has a right to take those back. She'enan you're doing labal, but those that the husband was not aware of. So then, lo simkor lechatchila, she should not sell those either. But but if she did sell those, but their properties the husband was not aware of at the time, then kayim, the sale will be valid. And we'll go back and clarify what he means by this in a moment. Let's now address the first half of the Mishnah and get clarity in the first half of the Mishnah. Now, let's go first in the first two cases, the first two scenarios in our Mishnah. We said as follows, that assets that she... Uh, acquired or inherited before she became an Arusa, right? Means the husband wasn't even in the picture. But she only sold them once she became an Arusa. There we said, no argument. Beishamayin Beisilahol, even though she's in the sewer, right? Beisham Beisilahol, that she can sell them lechat chila without any impediment from the husband. That was the first case, right? That's the ratio. So the Chasim Shnabalanachilotisaresem and it's valid. Mocheres means even the Khathilo. So one wants to know, yet yeah, in the second case that they fell to her as an Arusa, and she sold them as an Arusa, they were already out of Machlok as Beishamai Beisilo. Beishamai said she can do it L'Chadchila. Beisilo show up and say that no, it only works B'Diyevet. So what the Gemara really wants to know is L'Chora, that if there is some level of jurisdictional right that occurs at Arusin, which L'Chora does, she becomes an Asia Sis, etc. So therefore, why is there a, a Machlokas in the second case, whereas there's no machlokas between the first case. Meaning, if you hold there's some ju- ju- change in the jurisdictional rights of an Arusa, so what difference does it make whether she got the properties before Arusin, or she got the properties after, but once she becomes an Arusa, there's jurisdictional rights, whatever the impediment is, should be a- across the board. If you hold that there's no impediment, so then the Chorah then they should agree in both cases they should be able to do it lechatchila. So that's really what the Gemara is asking. Mashna Reisha, the Lopligi, we don't find a machlok of the in situation number one. Or Mashna Seva in situation number two, the Pligi that they're arguing. So Amr Debei Rebbe Yanai. So in the Yeshiva of Rebbe Yanai, they explain the following. Reisha b'schuson aflod. Is that really the point of acquisition really makes a difference. Is that in the Reisha, in the first case, it, where the jurisdictional rights were completely hers because she got those assets before Arison. So the husband to come along and have any imposition on those, any limitation on those, he has no rights over them. Therefore, she can sell them even lechatchila after she becomes an Arusa, right? Safer in the second situation, she already became an Asia's ish. She already became his Arusa. So therefore, the jurisdictional rights are his, in this case, at the time 
when she received them. So that's the difference between why in the Reisha and in the Sefer. So therefore, Sefer B'schusoy Naflu. So one says like this, one second, if you read that correctly, you're saying is that in the Reisha, that's her jurisdictional rights, you cannot put any limitation. In the Sefer, the, the wording is that saying it fell in, and it's his jurisdiction, at least according to the Basilo. It's already considered his jurisdictional rights once you become an Arusa. If that's true, then why does it even work but Yevet, why then, if it's her, his jurisdictional right, then the Korah, if she tried to sell it, the halacha should be in the Sefer. Since she acquired it under his jurisdictional rights, it should be completely within his ability to do what? To, to control her and take it away. So why is it only Lechatchila, not Bidi Yevet? Why is it only Lechatchila, but Bidi Yevet, it's still a good sale, right? So if it's in his jurisdictional rights, Naflu that it fell to her, according to Basilil at least, when she sells it or gives it away, why is it considered to be valid? So one says, okay, we have to change the wording a little bit. In the Reisha, there's not even a question that when it falls to her, whose jurisdictional rights is completely, completely hers, and therefore he cannot impede upon it. Sefer, as an Arusa, Arusa, there's a fluidity in the jurisdictional right. It's not clear exactly whose rights is it. It's because she has some rights, he has some rights. We see that he asks her on every other man, right? There is certain, right, Minat Torah, she can start eating truma, she's Kenyan Kaspa. So there are some rights. It's just not clear. It's interesting the way Rashi words it. Rashi words, it's a suffix nesuin. Because we don't know, is this situation going to lead to nesuin or not? But it creates a little bit of a situation of doubt vis-a-vis the jurisdiction. Therefore, lechatchila beisilo held, because of the suffix, she should not sell it. But since it's not clearly his jurisdictional right, therefore we're not going to empower him to do what? To take it away once the sale actually went through. So save for Amar Amar It's a question as to whether or not it's completely in her jurisdictional rights or in his jurisdictional rights. Therefore, that she should not sell it. But but if she did sell it, Kayan. So we've now explained the first two scenarios why there's no machlokas where it fell to her independent of him before a rasin that there she sells it as an arusa no problem and also why if in, when it fell to her as an arusa why there is a machlokas at least in the shita basilo they say there is a suffix at least as how do we view it in terms of jurisdictional rights because it's not clear in that status it's a quasi situation of, finan- of, 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 of jurisdictional rights therefore the shouldn't do it but yeah but it's okay now Let's go on. On the first half of the Mishnah, after we did the first two scenarios, Rabbi Yehuda recorded a discussion between the Chachamim and Rabbi Gamliel. What was the Chachamim's point? The Chachamim said is that Lechora, that if in fact, right, they said that if in fact she is already an Arusa, right, so the wording was by by the way, since she's already become his wife, why doesn't he have jurisdictional rights over her assets? Right? What the Gemara wants to know is that this question, what is really bothering them? Because there's two ways to understand what's bothering them. 
either what's bothering them is understanding Beis Shammai. Listen, if she already became an Arusa and it fell, how could Beis Shammai say that Lechatchilo, she should be allowed to sell it? They should at least agree with Beis Hilo that it says it, at least there is some jurisdictional right that the husband has, and therefore it should not be a Lechatchilo, it should be a Bidyevin. That's one way of posing what they're asking. The other way of asking, they're asking much stronger. They don't understand even Beis Hilo. In fact, if she has become an Arusa, Right? He should, she's become his wife. He should have full jurisdictional rights. And if he should have full jurisdictional rights, then the question what they're asking really is what? Why does it even work? But Yevon. Shouldn't even work, but Yevon. That's, so therefore that's what I wants to know. Say, by the way, the Nei raised the following Shiloh. Rebbe Yehuda, Alechatchilo. Oh, they're asking on. Lechatchilo, they're disagreeing. They're, they're questioning why she should be able to sell Lechatchilo. And really, it's more focusing on Beishamai's opinion that they have a difficulty with. Or Adyevet, or they're really focusing on Bidyevet, which means they're even questioning on Beishamai's opinion, that he, I'm on Beishilo's opinion, that there is some jurisdictional aspect once she becomes an Arusa. And if she inherits it at that point, or she gets those at that point, why does it work even Bidyevet? So that was the Shiloh. So Tashamas, the one who wants to bring a raya from a Tosefta. The Tosefta is a corollary that was of Oshia, the uh, editor of the Toseftas, and in his Toseftas, he brings down expanded versions of discussions that happen in the Mishnah, so we can bring a proof from the wording of the Tosefta as to what the meaning of our Mishnah was. So we're trying to figure out the sages, what would bother the Chachamim when they ask Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Gamliel this question. So Toshim, I come and listen to this time, you will in a Brisa. I'm a Rabbi Yehuda. Again, same, same, same dialogue. Rabbi Yehuda said, I'm a Lifnei Rabbi Gamliel, that the Chachamim said to Rabbi Gamliel the following, Hoyo v'zu ishto, v'zu ishto, l'chora. In both cases, whether she's an Arusa, she's his wife, or whether she's a Nasua, she's his wife, right? In both cases, Arusa, she's a wife, and in Nasua, she's his wife, right? Now, yet, what did we say? That if she sells assets that she got as a Nasua, what do we say happens with sell? He takes it away, right? He takes it away. So the Chorah, if that's true, and she's a what, what difference does it make? So even she, she, if she then gets assets as an Arusa and she sells it, it should be the same Alacha. She should be able to take it back. Right. So now the point you see from their question, the thrust of their question, wasn't just on the Lechatchila of Beishamai. What they were really bothered by is even on the Bidyevet. They said, why is it that the husband's able to take it away? Right? That is, and then Rabbi Gabriel's response was, one second, I'm embarrassed about the fact that we can take it away by Nasuin. You want to allow that he can even take it away when she is an uh, Russo? Uh, that, that's going to be the dialogue. But we've clarified our Shiloh then. We've answered, answered it. So what is it like this? So therefore, by Nesua, we say that the Mechira is bottled. So Abzus, or by Erisin, if assets came to us in Arusa, also should be Mechira bottled, the, 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 the uh, sale should be negated. The husband should be able to take it away. Amar Lahen, so his response to them was, on the new assets that come as a Nesua, Anu Boshim, we are embarrassed, we are uncomfortable about the fact that we've limited... The, the, the wife 
in those with, with, with jurisdictional rights over there. You're trying to even include rollover on the, the old ones, means that which comes to her and as an Arusa and she wants to sell as an Arusa. So Shmami now from this dialogue clearly we see that the thrust of the Chachamim was Dievid was on the Bedievid situation on Basilo Shmami no come Shmami no but, and before I speak out over here it doesn't say that Lemaisa they disagree they agree with Halacha they were just trying to understand what the logic be to, behind the Halacha was okay we're, we're embarrassed again that the husband has the right that, that property that fell to her as a nasua as a nasua she should not they not should not have been able to negate the, the sale as a nasua and you're right and now you want to say that she he should be able to for uh, to forfeit that sale to to, to, to cancel it as an as as an arusa they were saying, why should, if he's already considered an Aishas Ish as an Aruso, and she can wipe out his sale, uh, and, and, uh, if he, he, he can wipe it out as an Asua, then why shouldn't he be able to wipe it out when he she gets it in Aruso? Yeah, that was the question they asked. They were, and, and he was, from Gabriel's response was, I'm embarrassed about the fact that he, she loses jurisdictional rights as an Asua. Of and course I'm going to be embarrassed as an We're not going to, and we're not going to, and we don't allow it. That's the point. Alright. Now. The second half of the Mishnah, we had Rabbi Hanino ben uh, Akavya, right? Now, comes along Rabbi Hanino ben Akavya. Now, this is all part of that Tosefta. Rabbi Hanino ben Akavya actually says, I have a different version of the discussion between Rabbi Gamliel and the Chachamim. Means, according to Rabbi Yehuda, the question was the way we saw in Amish, straight up. What they were bothered by, they were asking him is, why, if she receives it as an Arusa and sells it as an Arusa, should he not be able to take it back? We allow him to take it back if she sells it as an Arusa, he can take it back. Why shouldn't the same thing be? And the response was, I'm embarrassed about that case. We're not, I'm, I'm certainly this case, I don't understand. we're not going to limit her jurisdiction. Comes along, Rabbi Khanina ben Gamliel says, that, ben Akavya, that actually was not the dialogue and response to that question. That wasn't that question. Right? He says, Gamliel didn't respond to them. I'm embarrassed. That's not where he said it. Because there, there was a better answer. What was the question, right? The question was, well, if he can take it away when she got it as an Asua and sold it as an Asua, then what? Then she should be able to take it away when she got it as an Arusa. He says, that's not a question. You know, there's a big difference between Nasuin and Arusin. Nasuin, he has full jurisdictional rights over her, whereas Arisin, he does not. So therefore, his response wasn't going to be, there I'm embarrassed, so for sure here I'm going to embarrass. Here he can actually make a logical distinction between the two. What's the difference? He says, This was the response according to the way the question was posed uh, the way Rabbi Yehuda understood it. How can you compare the case of Nesuah, you can't speak about the case of Nesuah. Shekain Balo Zakav He has full financial rights over her once she becomes a Nesuah. He owns her Metziah and anything she finds. That doesn't happen by Erisin, that happens by Nesuah. And her work product belongs to him. Even in situations of Isser, he doesn't need the husband anymore to, un- he doesn't need the father anymore to annul her Nedarim. He unilaterally can annul her Nedarim. Tom Rabarusa, can you compare that? to Arisin. By Arisin, Shein Balazaka, the husband does not have a right 
to her mitziyoso, to her mitziyah, lo mazidah, to her, her work product. And he cannot on his own annul. He needs, by an arusa, what does he need? He needs the a father to go with, join with him. So therefore, what are you asking? That if you can, uh, you, that, that you take away her, uh, her, uh, her, um, Financial jurisdiction over her properties as an assuming. Why don't we do the same thing by Arison? Because there's a huge difference between what his rights are by an assuing and by Arison. So that's not a question. So Amrulo, so then now this becomes, according to Rabbanan which is the second half of Mishnah, this becomes the question that was a more pointed question. He says, okay. Granted, you make that distinction between when she got and sold the Nechosim as an Arusa, as opposed to when she got the Nechosim and sold it as an Asua. We're asking a different question. Why is it that when she gets it as an Arusa, but only sold it as an Asua? She's already entered into Nusuin. And once she enters into Nusuin, the Chora, just as if she got it as an Asua and sold it as an Asua, she, because he's now taken over full jurisdictional rights over her property. So why is it that Bidyevid, why should it work in a case where, even though she got it as an Arusa, but once she's entered into Nusuin, it should also, he should be, it should be negated. He should be able to take away that. That's the question. And on that, his response is, you know, I'm embarrassed about the fact that when she gets it in a sewer, we can take it away. And you want to, you say that we should have to take it away from her in a case we got in a roof and sells it in a sewer. That becomes now, that is the question and answer according to Rabbi Ben Gamaliel. So let's see it inside. Now, you'll see there is a subtlety in the language slightly different than our Mishnah, and the Gemara will bounce it in a moment. So the Gemara says like this. So he says as follows. Um, uh, Amrulo, he says like this, uh, Amrulo Rebbe, Machra, take out the word law, says the Baba. Machra, Achalo Niseis, Veniseis, is that what happens is if she, what's the Girsa? Yeah, the right Girsa. I don't know that. One second. Amrulo Rebbe. Machra. Achala Nises Venises Vaachach Machra. I don't know how the, 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 the first Machra. Amr Rebbe. Machra. Achaloi. Katsirach Lama Vatevas Lo. Just one second. Why am I using. This is Amruloi Rebbe. Machra. Achaloi Nises Venises Vaachach Machra. Mahu. I don't know why the, what the first. It means. She, she acquired these properties before the Nesuin, but she only sold them after Nesuin. What would you, Rabban Gamliel, rule in this case, right? What would you say? So, Rabban Gamliel said that the sale is a valid sale and it's good. Now, the version of it with the language is Mashma, she could even do it Lechatchilo. Right, that's different than our Mishnah, because in our Mishnah it said it only were, this only goes, but yeah, but the language over here is that, uh, says that it's a valid sale and it's much more even the Chatchila. On that they said we don't understand. If she sold it once she became a Nasu, it's true she got it as an Arusa, but if she got, uh, 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 acquired this as an Arusa, even though, but she's selling it as an Asua, so once she becomes fully under the jurisdictional rights of the husband, when what? 
when she has nesuin, so lo yiskeb and nechosim, should he not have rights over her nechosim completely, and therefore what? The sale should be he should be able to avoid that sale. So Amar lahem, on that he responded, we're embarrassed about the new properties. What does it mean we're embarrassed about the new properties? The properties that she gets after Nasuin and sells after Nasuin. And you want to take away her jurisdictional rights completely, even on Nechazim, that what? That she got before Nasuin and she sold after Nasuin. You want to roll upon us as I Yashanim, the old properties, the properties that she brought into the Nasuin, that she brought into Nasuin. Now, bringing into Nasuin could have happened, she got into the Erisim, could even happen, she got from before the Erisim. But you want to say, take away those assets from her, right? Now, so that, so that, that's now. So we have now a reframing of the dialogue between Rabbi Gamliel and uh, and the Chachamim. We had Rabbi Yehuda's version that their question was bothered by the acids that she got she got before Aristid and sold as an Asua, right? Uh, and uh, and and and. And the, 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 and the version of, of Rabbi Hanina ben uh, Akavio was the assets that she got before Nasuin and sold as Nasuin. But the Gemara now is just questioning on, on, on a, the, the text, the, the version of the Tosefta was that they asked him, what happens to the property she gets before Nasuin and sells after Nasuin? In the Tosefta, his, the language was, Mocheres Venosenes. What does Mocheres Venosenes mean? Lechatchila, she can sell it or give it away. In our Mishnah, it never said that. In our Mishnah, it says, yes, it's not, uh, it's not binding, means, I mean, it's binding means he can't take it away. But I only said he, she could do it, but he ever. So Gmona says, in our Mishnah, we learn, Nises Venises. It says, if the case was before she had Nesuin, and then she had Nesuin, Rabbi Gamaliel Omer, Rabbi Gamaliel's version of our Mishnah, in our Mishnah was, Imachu Venosu, B'Yevet is Kayim. So, but in the Tosefta, he answered them, Mocheres Venosenes, which is much, but you could even do in Lechatchila. So, I'm Rav Zvid, so Rav Zvid, to me, he said, change the language of the Mishnah. It's interesting why the Mishnah changes as opposed to the Brahma. But the language should say, in our Mishnah, to keep it consistent with the Tosefta, it shouldn't say that in Machra Venosna, change it to say, Mocheres Venosenes. So basically, if you change the girsa, then it comes out that Gamliel's shita is that if she acquired it as an asua and sold it, acquired before Nasuin and sold it after Nasuin, that she, she not only can, does it work, but she even do it lichat chila. But you have to change the girsa to accommodate both that the Tosefta and the Mishnah do not conflict. Right. Rapapa Amar Kasha. Rapapa says like this. He says, actually, it's really not difficult. Why? Because in our Mishnah, in, in the, the language, the verbiage in our Mishnah that said that it only works B'Yevid was going according to the version of Rabbi Yehuda. Remember, we have here a machlokus between Rabbi Yehuda and Rukhanani and Akavya as to what actually took place. Right? But in, when it says there that Rabbi Gamliel responded that if, if she sold it or she gave it away, but it works, that's in the version that's recorded by Rabbi Yehuda. 
The Tosefta that says that she can even do it lechatchila, that's the version according to Rav Chanina ben Akavya. Meaning, basically, there is a machlokas tanoyim as to what Rav Gamliel's opinion is. Our Mishnah, which is according to Yehuda's version of what Rav Gamliel said, right? That holds it only works b'diavad. Whereas Rav Chanina ben Akavya, Chanina ben Akavya's version of it, which is the version of the Tosefta, holds that what? That it works even lechatchila. So therefore, you're not changing the text; you're just making it. It actually is a machlokas here between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Ben Akavya. So therefore, like this: So Rabbi Papa said, "Lord Kasha." Hi, Rabbi Yehuda, I'll leave it on Galil. One is Rabbi Yehuda's version of Gamliel. Hi, Rabbi Ben Akavya, I'll leave the Rabbi Gamliel. Now, the one says like this: the problem is that if we, in fact, say that uh, we're changing the, we're saying that that, uh, that according to uh, according to Yehuda what was sold before and later on it works only but Yevid right? right now that's even in a case of uh, that, that's that's uh, it, it, I'm sorry it, it, I mean it's like this according to the version of Rabbi Hanina ben Akavya, it works even lechatchila. Means what works even lechatchila? Even after nesuin, for sure, what she sells as an arusa could even work lechatchila. Meaning, right? Meaning like this: that let's say she got the assets before Arisin and sold it as a arusa. Then, if for sure, what would Rabbi Hanina Akavya hold? The halacha would be it could be even lechatchila because he holds it's even lechatchila if she sells it after nesuin. It comes out that according to the version of Rav Chinnah ben Akavio, Rabbi Gamliel holds like Beis Shammai because the Hillel's position was is that if she got it from before Eresin, I'm sorry, uh, I'm sorry, if she got it after Eresin and sold it. Before Nesuin, it only works B'diavid. Remember, the way Amish started off, everyone agrees that she got something before Eresin and sold it as, as, as an Arusa, it works even L'Chadchilo. Where was the Machlokas Beishel Beishamai? She got it after Eresin and sold it before Nesuin. Beishamai said it only wo- it works, it works L'Chadchilo. Beishel holds it only works B'diavid. Now we're saying over here is that we're talking about what happens if she sold it after Nesuin. Right now, when did she get it? She could have got it even from before Arisin. She could have got it from be, uh, during Arisin. But it works, it works even lechatchila. So if it works even lechatchila, according to Rabbi Gamliel, that only conforms with the position of Beishamai. That doesn't conform with the position of Beishilo, because Beishilo said if you get it after Arisin and you sell it, if you, uh, if you got it after Arisin and sold it before Nesuin, that even in that case it's only Bediyevin. For sure, if you would sell it after Nesuin, it would only be Bediyevin. So the point is that if you learn that this is the machlokas between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Chanina ben Akavia as to what the position of Rabbi Gamliel is, it comes out according to Rabbi Chanina ben Akavia's understanding based uh, uh, Rabbi Gamliel is holding like the shita of Beisham. Frekting more Gamliel like this. Aha, Rabbi Chanina ben Akavia, I'll leave it to Rabbi Gamliel. 
I'm sorry. Rabbi Nachanina ben Akavia, Kebe Shammai. It goes like Kebe Shammai. says, no. But the answer we're giving right now is that that first whole part of the Mishnah that said, here's a Machlokas, here they are, Kebe Shammai agree. Here they argue, that was all under the version of Rabbi Yehuda. According to Rabbi Nachanina ben Akavia, his version is that there was no Machlokas, Kebe Shammai, Kebe Shammai, that both Kebe Shammai and Kebe Shammai agree that if she got it, before Nesuin, she's able to sell it even lechatchila, and even if she gets it, even if she sells it after Nesuin, as long as she got it before Nesuin, it can even down lechatchila. Means, means that, that, that the reason why he's saying it's not going like Beisham because that's the version of Rabbi Yehuda. But according to the version of Chinam and Akav, he learned there was no machlokas Beishamai Beisilo in this particular point. Al Dovarzeh concerning this matter. But either way, you slice and dice it, there seems to be, uh, where you are with the Chachila B'Yevet, but clearly that if the woman, uh, the only time that the husband takes full jurisdictional right and he can actually un- uh, undermine the sale is only if she got it after Nesuin and sold it after Nesuin. But if she got it any time before, whether it's Chachila B'Yevet, he doesn't have it. Robin Shmuel disagree, and it's interesting because Robin Shmuel's version disagrees completely both with our with our Mishnah, completely with our Mishnah, and we're going to see Lachora even and and Robin Shmuel Dami Travayu Bein Shenavlu Lanachosim Ashulon Is Arsa Bein Shenavlu Lanachosim Mission Is Arsa Venises Habal Motzi Miyad. According to Rav and Shmuel, once she becomes a Nesua, whether or not the properties fell before Nesuin, or whether they fell after Nesuin, but if she makes the sale after Nesuin, what's the halacha? Come on, but who, the, 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 this doesn't go like either opinion of our Mishnah. The only argument in our Mishnah was, can she do it l'chatchila on the b'diyevet? But either way, the husband canceled it if she made this, if she got the she got the assets before the Nesuin. And according to base, uh, uh, Robin Shmuel, doesn't matter. As long as the sale happened after the sue and the husband can take it away. Someone says, come on, the local of Yehuda, the local of Yehudah, it goes like neither one of these two opinions. So the Gemara responds, Inu da Amri that actually there is a Rabbi Seinu that's recorded in the Tercepta that takes the, that, that, that is, that is the position that's being espoused by Robin Shmuel. Now that's also Tanoyim, these Rabbi Seinu, and therefore, Whatever the reason is, but Rav and Shmuel did not rule according to our Mishnah. They actually felt the appropriate answer is like the understanding of the way the Rabbi Seinu, the uh, our rabbis will see that according to the Tosefta, that hold that Enochanami once she becomes a Nesua, any assets that she owns as Nifsei Malug, even as Nifsei Malug, if she sells them, the husband. They, uh, is able to uh, to to uh, cancel out the sale. That's that's the position of the saying, right? Let's see. The Gemara says like this: The The rabbis retracted and they voted. Means they went back and and and, and, and reassessed the situation and they voted not like what our Mishnah says that if assets come to her before the Nesuin that the sale is a valid sale even though depending on which version you have but no neither one of those are correct 
So whether it fell to her before Erisin, or whether it fell to her after Erisin, and she had Nesuin, and only then she made the sale, the husband has the right to take it away from the purchasers. And that is the position of Rav and Shmuel. So that's what Rabbi Shmuel going like this Rabbi Seinu. So even though yes, it disagrees with our Mishnah, but it is based on Tanoyim. It's the Tanoyim that Rabbi Seinu over to Septa. Now it says like this: Mishnah says we said that once the suing takes place, right? Eilavelamodim. It means both Beishamai and Beisilol agreed to what? That if the suing takes place, right? And she now receives assets. After Nesuin, right? What's the halacha? He has a right to go ahead and take it away. Now the Gemara wants to ask a question. Now listen, it's really it's, a, it's asking a question because there was a takana of Usha. We learned earlier in, in the Mesechli in the Kimpomas about takana of Usha. Usha is when the Sanhedrin was uh, they they was was moved. One of the places where the Sanhedrin moved was a place called Usha. But in Usha they made a number of takanas. Now. It's going to come out that the Sakana of Usha seems to be saying pretty much the same thing as what our Mishnah said, which means that once there's been Nesuin and assets have come to her for Nesuin, the husband's able to completely nullify the sale. It means his rights, his sufrukri rights, of take away the property away from any other buyers. So the one says like this, if that's the case and that's the ruling, then why did they need to make the Sakana of Usha? If the Takana of Usha seems to be saying this was an empowerment that was done for the husband, you don't need that empowerment if that's actually what the din of the Mishnah is saying. So we're trying to figure out what did the Takana of Usha add that was not included from the rule of our Mishnah. Everybody with me? So more says like this. Is it not we're learning in our Mishnah that which was really the Takana of Usha? It's really a question as I explained it. That if a woman sold the nixtamalug when her husband was alive, right? And then she dies, right? So the woman sold the assets to the uh, to a third party, and then he and she dies. The husband can come and take away those assets from the purchaser, right? Now, what that, what that means is she had no right to sell. So, that's really what our Mishnah said, that if she has these assets after Nesuin, and she sells them, he can abrogate, he can go ahead and nullify the sale. So, what is the Takana of Usha adding to what the Mishnah was saying? So, what is the big difference? What's the big difference? It's like this. Is that... If you just look at the Mishnah, right? The Mishnah says basically is that uh, the, the Mishnah saying is that he has a right to take away the sale. Now, why does he have a right to take away the sale? Because he has use of fructory rights. So you could say it like this: is that when uh, the the, the uh, when she is alive, when she was alive, she has a right. He has a right to her properties. To have your fructory rights over those properties. But you could have argued, alright, what happens when she dies? 
So now when she dies, so therefore there's no really a din of Nixnamaluk anymore because she's not, she, she's not alive anymore. So at that point you might have argued that what happens to that property, at this time it would go over to the buyer and the husband has no right of a claim of Nixnamaluk. His only right to Nixnamaluk was when she's alive. Comes along in Usha, they establish that even after she dies, he still, has a right. he still has a right to take away the asset itself. That's the big chiddush that you're not necessarily have seen no, from our Mishnah. You never buy a property. What's that? You'd you be exposed at any time if you're buying a property from a woman. Then, like if she's a man in a suit, and yeah. you, have, you have to find out 100, percent or you have to get the just sign off from the husband. Husband. yes. One, one, one second. Let me, let me just finish, and I'll take questions. So one is like this. So the Gemara says. Matnisin, uh, our Mishnah, that he has a right to abrogate the sale is only the Chaya when she's alive. Ulaperos, and maybe the only right he has to abrogate is to allow him to continue having the use of proof to rewrite. Takunas Usha, the Gupashokarka, they gave him a right to the actual asset, the, the asset itself. I mean, even when there is no more rights of Yusufruk to rewrite, he's still allowed to claw back and pull back that asset. That's a Takana of Usha, the and it applies even after the death of the woman. What's your question? Is this property that she acquired, acquired before? Uh, Where, the, the, the way it's read, it's bring down, it's assuming that she acquired after Nasuan. Okay. Right. And, and, before what we had when she was part of the and if she sold it during her husband's life and her lifetime, he could grab it back. Yeah. Okay, so now we're saying she sold it, obviously she was alive, and then she died. So if, if, if in the first case, if she recorded after Nasuan and she sold it during her husband's life and her lifetime, he could grab it back. What's new here? If she sold it during her, that same thing, he acquired it after Nasuan, she sold it, then she died. What's the difference? The, the difference is because according to Amishnah, he might not be able to take it back. Maybe it goes back to the buyer after she dies, because then he has no rights of use of fructuary rights on it. Maybe alive. the only clawback rule of Amishnah was because of his use of fructuary rights. When they don't exist, maybe not anymore. That's the Takura Tushu says, not like that. Now, let's keep going. He said that really depends on whether known assets opposed to unknown assets. Known assets, then she's not able to sell. Unknown assets, but the sale goes through. So what is considered to be you're doing and ain't you doing? What's known and unknown? So Eilah and you're doing, Eilah and Shane you're doing. So Amaro, so what are they? What are these assets that are known and unknown? So Yosef or Yechanina just says, you're doing is a mikarkoi. Known asset is real estate. Real estate is what's called known assets. And therefore that's the case where she does not have the ability to sell. Shane you're doing, those assets which are not known, right? That's metallical and immovable assets. Now, Rabbi Yochanan said, I disagree with that. The fact that something is movable, the fact that something is real estate, that doesn't change whether it's known or not known. You could have known real estate or unknown real estate. You could have known movable objects. So that wouldn't define as known. That's not the pshat in Rabbi Shimon. So what is the pshat? So, Amar Eilu, Eilu, you're doing, hey, they both could be called, you're doing. and you're doing. She's living here and the inheritance happened across the ocean. Meaning, it's basically coming out. What it means is that the husband wasn't aware of the acquisition of the asset because it would happen as far away. So, in that case, if there's a sale that he did not know about, that works but Yevon, right? But, uh, but, but sale is something that means he already, he was aware of the acquisition of the asset. That's what's called you doing. And it's irrespective of whether what? 
Whether it's land or it's metal to lean. Tanya Amiyahi, we have a bride supporting of Yerchanon. It says, Eilu Shehein, Shehein, Shehein Yudun. What's considered Ein Yudun? Close your Shabbos Khan. Anything that she sits here, Benav blew love and a chasim in the Midasayam, and it fell somewhere else and across the ocean, that's considered. Meaning, that meaning, and, and there's a shwara to it. Means if he wasn't even aware that she acquired it, he can't be mocked on something. That he did not even have aware that she acquired. He found out later, it's too late. But I mean, that he knew about that she acquired, so that already fits into his jurisdictional reach. On that, meaning I had, I have rights over that. That, if she tries to sell, according to Shimon, is where he can pull back a punch. And we'll stop over here.